it's time for another episode of Gospel Preaching Live, brought to you by the Kearney Church of Christ, which meets at 406 North Clark in Kearney, Missouri. Make plans to come out and visit the brethren who look forward to seeing you. And now the host of Gospel Preaching Live, Richard Dodson. Welcome to Gospel Preaching Live. My name is Richard Dodson. I'm a minister working with the Kearney Church of Christ. And I do appreciate you tuning in this evening. I pray that you'll find a message from God's Word and that you will look into it to make sure, double-checking, that it truly is the Word of God, just as the Bereans did in Acts 17. And I pray that if you do find it to be God's Word, that you will give us a like and share it. Try to get this spread to as many people as possible. We do appreciate the help. Now, if you are watching on Facebook and YouTube and you want to reach out to me with a suggestion or a question, you can do so by leaving a comment in the comment section, or if you prefer, if you're listening, especially if you're listening to the radio show or by podcast, call or text me at 816-686-9517. That's 816-686-9517. And keep in mind, I'm in the central time zone. You can also email me at gospelpreachinglive at gmail.com. That's gospelpreachinglive at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. All right, this evening, what are we going to talk about? We are going to talk about uh, and something that I've been working on lately, and it's called Navigating the Devil's Minefield. Now, at Kearney, and I probably ought to work up a lesson, uh, you know, to do it online because I haven't done it online, but at Kearney, I baptized a man. And he made the comment about how we shouldn't be so adamant about trying to be strict and obeying God's laws or we would be uh, pharisaical. In other words, we'd be like the Pharisees in the Bible. And he didn't understand what the Pharisees were guilty of. And so I preached a lesson on that, what it truly means uh, to be pharisaical according to the Bible. And it means, you know, you're not following God's law strictly. You're, you're making things up. But uh, needless to say, he, his, his uh, understanding of obedience was skewed by a popular uh, definition of the word pharisaical, and that has been spread by many a false teacher, people who don't want to strictly follow God's law. And so we talked about that, and tonight we're going to talk about judging. And the, and the reason I call that a minefield is because the devil wants to keep you from having the proper understanding of God's word. And so if he can change the definitions to some key words that we use in studying the Bible, then he might be able to uh, uh, cause you to be mistaken in your understanding of God's truth. And so that's why it's important when you become a Christian or even before then, uh, when you go to the Bible, you just you put all your luggage on the rack. In other words, you go to the Bible to find out everything that the Bible teaches, and you also put all your former thoughts and things like that up for review as well, because you can be wrong, like we saw with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul served the, the Lord with, uh, with a good conscience all his life, as the Bible tells us, but yet we know he was wrong. Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, and um and told him he was wrong. And so we understand that we can be innocently mistaken, and uh, we have to be mindful of the fact that the devil's going to do everything he can 
to keep us from getting to the knowledge that we need in order to be saved. Now, keep in mind that this is important. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says that those who come to God must do so in faith. You cannot, can't come to God without faith. And according to Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Where's that evidence uh, located? In the Bible. Because Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so if we're going to have that proper understanding of God, if we're going to be able to come to God, then we're going to have to be able to understand it properly. But just like any book, if I go to a book and I have a different definition of the words that the author used in that book, then I'm not going to understand it the way he wrote it. That's what the devil wants. And so there's a lot of popular uh, definitions to words based on false teachings that uh, people have put out there, various false teachers have put out there that have become predominant, that most uh, people actually hear these words and they, they think that very thing. So we're going to talk about that this evening. Now, if you're watching on Facebook and YouTube, picture of a man with a map and he's trying to navigate his way through a minefield, um, the Bible would be the Christian's map. And so we have to use that in order to be able to work through that. And that's what we're going to do this evening. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, Paul told Timothy that this is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You see how they're used hand in hand? You know, he wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You, you got to come to the knowledge of the truth in order to be saved. You got to know uh, what you're wanting to do. It's, it's like in John 4, 24. You know, Jesus said that if you're going to worship God, those who worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. So, I mean, you, you have to know what pleases God in order to be able to please God. First Thessalonians 2, 14 through 16, um, it says, For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the G Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind. By how? By hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. And so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. The point I want to make from this passage is that these people wanted to hinder Paul from speaking to the Gentiles. And why did they want that? Because they didn't want them to be saved. They didn't want them to hear that knowledge. They didn't want them to obtain that. That's no different than the devil today. He doesn't want us to know God's word because he realizes that by knowing God's word, that's going to enable us to be pleasing to God and to be saved. Second Peter 2 and verse 20. These, have, these are just talking about uh, those who had uh, become false teachers, but they had once been uh, in Christ and they'd fallen away. It says, after they have escaped the defilements of the world, through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. Now notice what it says. They overcame. Uh, they escaped the defilements of the world. How'd they do that? Through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Knowledge. Knowledge. That's what we got to have. We have to know God. We have to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We got to know how to make him happy. Because if we don't know how to do that, then we're not going to be saved. 
And so it's important that we learn how to do that. And, and like I said, there's always people out there that are wanting to present a different gospel or a different message, trying to confuse the seeker. We see that in Galatians 1, 6, and 7. The church in Galatia, they, they, had, uh, they had received Paul in those teachings, but yet after he left, there were some Judaizing teachers that came in, and they were able to sway the people to a different belief. And he says, I'm astonished, Paul says, that you are so quickly deserting him who called you to the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, not that there is another one, or if there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And that is no different today. The devil wants the truth to be distorted. And again, if you're seeking after knowledge, if you're seeking to find out what God wants you to do, then it's important to, for the devil to make that as, as difficult for you as he possibly can. And he can do that through distorting with false teaching, or he can change meanings of words like we see that's real popular. Now, when we're talking, and, and you may be thinking, well, why is this? Well, the Lord wants us to work in order to be able to understand. Notice what, and this is this is the whole key to what we're going to be doing. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. He says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. Now here, listen, here comes the if. You know what an if means? Uh, and that means you got to do something for something to happen. And he says, uh, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. All right, so if you want to find the knowledge of God, if you want uh, to understand the fear of the Lord, then you got to seek after it. And how do you seek it? Is it just casually? Oh, that's not what he says. You're going to have to seek it like silver. Search for it like hidden treasures. And I have seen, you know, I've never been a treasure hunter, but I have read stories and I have seen movies and I've also been out West and, and seen some of the mines where people were mining for gold. And uh, I learned a little bit uh, you know, about how hard they worked, especially uh, back of the, the old 49ers during the gold rush. And they, they worked hard or even up in Alaska that big uh, staircase they climbed. They, they worked very, very hard because they were seeking after a treasure. And the Lord says, you're going to have to seek after this understanding, this, this knowledge, the same way those boys were seeking after treasure. And that means you got to work. You're going to have to put forth some effort. If you don't put forth the effort, you're not going to know. And that's why it's important when you go to the Bible to take your preconceived ideas and put them on the shelf and say, okay, roll up your sleeve and say, let's, let's just find out what God says about something. And uh, tonight, as we're navigating the devil's minefield, as I said, I've already, I have to do this online. I've, I've talked to the uh, church in Carney about pharisaical, but uh, I want to, I want to talk about judging because there is a false idea out there that the devil has created and many people have accepted about judging others. And uh, it's just wrong. And, and we're going to look at what the Bible has to say. Look at this meme. 
Now, this is, this is, I took it right off the internet. It says, don't judge me lest you be judged, Matthew 7, 13. And it's based on people's feelings, you know, like a, a preacher tells somebody they sinned, they'll say, don't judge me lest you be judged. He can't tell me I sinned as I got up there. Uh, they're upset about it because they don't, they believe the Bible teaches. I've heard them say it on TV. Well, the Bible says you can't judge somebody. You know, this meme is funny. Did you know that verse is wrong? Not only, not only is the application wrong, the verse is wrong. It's not Matthew 7, 13. It's Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that you be not judged. Um, but uh, they, they, they even add, don't judge me unless you be judged. So, I mean, it's, you would think somebody, if they're going to go to that much trouble and put it on the internet, they would at least try to verify they got the right verse. But it goes to show you that they, they have an agenda and they're spreading a false teaching without even trying to find out for sure what God's word teaches on this. And that's most unfortunate. So that's the false teaching. And it's based on Matthew 7, 1. And you're probably saying to yourself, well, that is what it says. Judge not that you be not judged. Yes, it does. I agree with you. That's what it says. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at that passage and we're going to discuss what that means in light of the context and how it's used. And we're going to look at some other verses in the Bible that tell us that we're not supposed to judge, but we're also going to consider the context and how it's used. And then we're going to look at some passages that tell us that we are to judge. And if that doesn't confuse you, uh, I think nothing will. But we're going to try to find out exactly what's going to make the Lord happy. And so let's go ahead. Let's forget about this definition. Let's understand that, that uh, I'm saying that this is false. Let's put this on the shelf and let's go in and start studying. Let's mine the scriptures and find out exactly what this teaches. Now, one of the more popular passages that people go to is John 8, 3 through 11, trying to show that uh, man shouldn't judge. And they say, this is proof. And uh, I'm going to read it. The scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. And Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. Well, what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him as they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. You know, I, I probably should stop there. Because this next part, if you're looking in your Bible, it says, as though he heard them not. Well, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the original. That should never have been in anybody's translation. So if you're if you're watching, take that part that I got in red and just that that should not have been added. That's there's nothing in the, the Greek that points to that being added. And I'll let you look at that on your own. I do find it interesting that they're they're testing him over the old law, and there he is using his finger as he's writing in the ground. I wondered what Jesus was writing. But isn't it ironic he's being tested over the Old Testament? And and it's with that finger, that very finger, he wrote the Ten Commandments on the tables of stone to give to Moses. And, and he was he's being tested over what he wrote with his own finger. And so there that finger makes another appearance. And it says, so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground and they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, 
beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus lifted up himself and none saw him, and none but and saw none but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are thine accusers? And hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You know, one of the problems they had with this was that the law states that, yes, she should have been stoned along with her partner, the man she was committing adultery with. Both of them were. So the, the question put to Jesus wasn't even correct anyway. But uh, Jesus had the ability to forgive sins. And uh, people look at this, and a lot of times people look at this passage and they say, see, Jesus didn't condemn her. He would not judge her. <clears throat> but he did. He says, go and sin no more. Meaning, you know, I know what you did. Don't do it again. Go and sin no more. That's what Jesus said. So this passage is not what many people try to make it mean. Now let's look at the passage in question. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, now let's see what he's talking about. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's talking about being a hypocrite, making a judgment when you're guilty of the same thing. And that's what he's telling them to do. Don't do that. That's that's the... Uh, that's you've made yourself a lawgiver there. You're not uh, you're not being obedient to the law. You don't have the right to to sit there and judge somebody when you're being guilty of the same thing. That's hypocritical, and that's what's being condemned. That's the type of judging the Lord doesn't want to see. We see this also in Romans chapter two and verse one through three. Paul said, "You therefore have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges." For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, that judge, practice the very same things. We know the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet you do them, that you shall escape the judgment of God? <clears throat> well, again, he's getting into the very thing. He's talking about being a hypocrite. It's like me telling you don't steal when I'm out stealing. That's being hypocritical, and I shouldn't be doing that. That doesn't mean, though, if I'm not stealing, I can't say that stealing is a sin. That doesn't mean <laughs> that uh, I can't point out sin in other people's lives when I am, uh, you know, trying my best not to sin. Uh, what he's talking about doing is the hypocritical type of judgment where you're accusing somebody and you're guilty of doing it yourself and you're not even seeing the application. You're not looking for the fingers that are coming back toward you. James chapter 4, 11, and 12 has context toward even another type of judging. He says, do not speak evil one against another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And there's only one giver, lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge your neighbor? And so what he's saying is, you're not a doer of the law. That's not what you're doing. You're a judge of the law. In other words, you have decided for yourself what is right and wrong. And in this case, you can speak evil against a brother. In other words, you can slander a brother, and thereby that puts you on a pedestal. You have judged him based on your own standard because you're slandering him. 
And that's a way that is forbidden. That's a type of judgment that the Bible talks about that is not right, that we shouldn't be doing. And that's what James is getting on to them here in this passage about. Now, to point this out, uh, to show that we are to judge, look at Galatians chapter 2 and 11 through 14. Now, this is when it talks about Cephas, he's talking about the Apostle Paul. I'm sorry. Um, I'm so, Paul is going to talk to Cephas. Cephas is the Apostle Peter. And uh, when the Apostle Paul uh, is already there in Antioch, it says, when Cephas came to Antioch, he says, I, which would be Paul, opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they drew back, uh, when they came, he drew back and, and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews hip, acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like the Jews? So in other words, he saw, and this is what he saw, he noticed that they were not walking in step with the truth of the gospel. Now, the apostle Paul was not being a hypocrite because he was walking in step with the gospel. And so he confronted Peter to the face and basically said, "This you're wrong. Now, he was an inspired apostle. If if he can't judge the way the devil likes to define judging, if he can't judge, he would have been wrong for doing this to Peter. But we know he wasn't wrong. First uh, Corinthians 11, 1 and 2, we're supposed to imitate him as, as he imitated Christ. And so we know then that we look at a passage like this and we understand that we are supposed to point out sin and other people's lives. It's just making sure we're not getting caught up in it. That's what we need to be careful of, getting caught up in sin, but then accusing others of the same sin. John 7, 24 says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Some versions say righteous judgment. And that's exactly what Paul did back there. He noticed they weren't walking in step with the word of God. And so he made a judgment. He made a righteous judgment, a judgment that is means it's right with God, not right with you and me. Uh, it's right with God. And so because it was right with God, he made that determination. Why? How? Well, by knowing the scriptures and applying what was there. That's how he did that. That was a judgment. And um, some people might say, oh, no, that's wrong. But that's that's just based on the wrong idea of what type of judgment is uh, forbidden in the Bible. Now, we have another passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This is a good passage because we know the problem. There was a man there who had his father's wife, and Paul was taken aback with that, uh, and it should be. Um, he had a, a lot to say with it, and he, he ended up telling the church there to that they needed to withdraw from this man. But notice what he said. He, he tells the church there in Corinth, he says, what do I and what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? 
Now, now here he's saying that they are to judge, but you know, back in the Gospels, we are reading that we're not to judge. So, which one is it? And then when we go to First Corinthians chapter six, you know, we've seen a brother going to court with another brother before a, a, a non-Christian, a non-Christian judge, and Paul's upset with that. He's saying, "Look, you should take you should take somebody who's least esteemed in the church, and let them decide." who's right or wrong in this before you take it before uh, someone who is an outsider. Uh, he, he was upset about that. Again, that would be a judgment. Now, how are these judgments condoned But if we're not supposed to judge? You see, we're talking context. you got to look at all these passages and look for the context because in some passages it's going to tell you not to judge in some passages like we're looking at here, it's going to tell you to judge. And if it's telling you to judge, the only thing it's going to tell you what you're not supposed to do and what you are supposed to do is context. Context, context, context. You can look up the Greek definition to these word judges. It means the same thing. What uh, tells us the difference is the context. And so that's what we have to look at for having a proper understanding of uh, of judging. Another one is James chapter two and verse two through four. It says, if a man wearing a gold ring or fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down on my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? All right, so now, now he's he's forbidding another type of judging, uh, not not right judgment. He's talking about evil judging, and in this case, they're uh, putting a man on a pedestal who obviously has nice clothes, he has money, and then the other one comes in who who doesn't have money, and he's uh you know he's he's not even given the time of day practically, and that is that's a bad type of judgment to make. And that's what the scriptures, again, context of it. Look at the context. They're, they're judging, but this is an evil judging. This is not the type of judging that we are to do. So we got to be careful about that. So when we're navigating the devil's minefield, whether we're talking about pharisaical and judging, and we're going to look at some other wor uh, words in coming lessons, we always have to remember this. When we want to understand What's being said, we have to look at context, context, context. That is the most important thing in trying to understand the meaning of what uh, God is trying to convey in his holy word. Now, I want to ask this question. If this woman is right, if we, uh, if we can't tell someone they sinned, if she's right about that, because we'd be violating, uh, actually, it's Matthew 7, 1, not Matthew 7, 13, as the meme put. But uh, if she's right, who do we preach to? Who can we possibly preach to? You can't preach to anybody. And why did the apostles do that in Acts chapter 2? What did, he, what did they tell them in Acts chapter 2? You guys are guilty of killing the Son of God. <gasps> he judged them. He judged them. No, he just told them the truth. The judge has already ruled. And if you're just if you're just reading 
the, the ruling from the judge, which is Jesus, then we have to understand he's the one who makes the rules. We're just following out, following the course. So you can see then she can't be right. This is, she's just wrong in her understanding of it. And so it's important for us, if we want to be pleasing to God, to understand that, you know, we're going to have to uh, understand the word judge as it's used in the context of the passages that are under consideration. All right, that's all I got for you this evening. If you're ever in the Kearney, Missouri area, hey, come look us up. We uh, meet at 406 North Clark every Sunday morning at 930 for Bible study, 1030 for worship. You can learn all about the church by going to carneychurch.com. And if you like this lesson, you want to hear more like these, tune in to KPGZ 102.7 FM every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. And you can hear a lesson from God's word. Now, if you uh, cannot pick up the signal, it's okay. You can download the KPGZ's app and you can stream it on your mobile device or you can stream it on whatever whatever you use to stream your devices. Uh, Berean Spirits is an internet show I'm a part of that uh, I'm on with two other preachers. It comes on every Thursday at 10 a.m. Central Time. And you can tune in and be a part of the Bible study as we look at a different topic each week by going to carneychurch.com, press on the Facebook, YouTube, or Berean Spirits app. And if you can't watch it live, that's fine. They're left up there so you can uh, see the recordings. But you can also download on Spotify as well as Gospel Preaching Live. Uh, All lessons are put on Spotify so you can download those for your uh, leisure. All right, Lord willing, I will come to you again this uh, Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Until then, remember... This is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice in it and be glad. This has been Gospel Preaching Live. Join us each week as truth is taught, faith is examined, and beliefs are challenged. Be sure and hit the like button so you can be notified of future episodes. And to watch past episodes, go to our website, carneychurch.com. This has been a work of the Carney Church of Christ.